Welcome to the Not So Darlin' Podcast. This is a platform where Tanya and her guests share honest conversations while not taking life too seriously. Because let's face it, being perfect is lame. Now, here's your Not So Darlin' host, Tanya Phillips. My next guest, Caitlin, is an empowerment coach, podcaster, multi-passionate entrepreneur, and the founder of The Beam Life which is a company dedicated to mentoring women to honor their truth, prioritize their passion, and unlock their deepest potential. She's obsessed with cultivating a unique and creative community that cheers for each other and conquers life together. Caitlin creates her coaching strategies and content with you so that it serves you in the season that you're in. She believes in you when no one else will and truly wants you to be everything and more. Hey, Caitlin, welcome to the Not So Darling podcast. Thank you so much, Tanya. I'm so excited to be here with you and your listeners. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on. I want you to tell my listeners a little bit more about you. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Whenever anyone asks me that question, it's such a, you know, multifaceted question because I am a lot of things as I know most women are, right? We don't just fit into one box. Um, At my heart, I'm a women's empowerment coach, insanely passionate about helping women and mentoring women to get out of their own way and really like understand and see their true potential um, and to use that courage to move forward and live a life that feels good to them. So that's at my core what I do. And that's what my business, The Beam Life is, and my podcast is all about. So that's what I'm really passionate about and what I do. But I'm also in the fitness community. Um, I work in publishing. I have a fashion background. And I'm also a loving, loving mom of a almost five-year-old daughter that, um, just makes me the most proud person in the world. So that's, that's me. (laughs) Well, you sound amazing and you look amazing. I was just telling her prior to us recording, I'm like, you have to tell me like how you get this glow. You have like the perfect glow and the cheek. So I need to know that (laughs) joy. That's what you do. Just be joyful. Yeah. (laughs) Dang it. I feel like I'm joyful, but it just doesn't show up as well. (laughs) But no, um, let's talk more about your love for fashion and being a celebrity stylist. Do you have any fun stories you can share with me and my listeners or any stories that made you maybe choose a different career path? Yeah, so... From, you know, a childhood and, you know, fashion was in my DNA. It's not what I do now full-time or for a living or anything, but it was a huge part of my life. And I will say it's always going to be a part of my life. Uh, When I was young, from the age of like eight, nine, 10, I was always with my grandmother who was in the fashion industry. And then I started working at a boutique at the age of 12 and was basically running it by the age of 18. So that was like the hottest, you know, girls boutique where I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. I applied for one school and that was the fashion Institute in New York city. And I said, if I don't get into this college, because it was the only, it's one of the only community colleges, um, of fashion in the country everywhere else is so expensive because it's private. So I'm like, if I don't get in here, I'll maybe go to like a local community college. I'm not really like feeling anything else. This is really what I want to do. And I don't know, by the 
you know, grace of God, it was supposed to be meant to be. I ended up at FIT in New York and from the very beginning I applied and I wanted, you know, New York is expensive. So you've got basic necessities of college life, but I always wanted to have money in my pocket and my parents were like, well, you have to get a job. So that's what I did. And that led to my celebrity stylist career. Um, very different because my background at the time was in like women's, you know, hot trends and that kind of stuff. And I transitioned into being a men's stylist. So it was uh, male celebrities, athletes, um, uh, mostly professional NBA and NFL players. So like big guys, right. That can't fit into traditional clothing. Um, I would say some of the most fun stories that really helped shaped who I am today um, is that I got to be a part of some really incredible things that uh, just public doesn't always have access to. And that's like behind the scenes, red carpet. Um, I did a lot of stuff at New York Fashion Week. So being behind the scenes of like planning the looks, dressing the models, making sure, helping the show run on time, uh, seating stuff. So just being there and then also getting to travel over to Europe two to three times a year to be able to see what trends were coming before anyone else did, uh, be able to see presentations and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just a very, um, all of that opportunity led to my like love of adventure and spontaneity and being able to uh, make friends because I was single at the time and also no kids. So everywhere I went, I traveled solo and I often extended my trips so that I could stay behind and meet new people. And and I would over in Paris and London and um, Italy. And I would just meet the locals and they would take me out to eat and have fun. And it was it was some of the best times of my life, honestly. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm like envisioning this for myself because that was like my Do dream. It. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that was like my dream. I wanted to to be in the fashion world and in the industry. And well, you, you definitely know. have the style for sure. <laughs> I I love all the stuff you post. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I I would just be I was just so afraid, you know, for myself to do it. Um because I was just, you know, I'm from Kentucky and I'm you know, in a, in a city of, you know, that was, is, you know, known, but not known, known. And so it was like all the new, you know, things would be so, so scary. And, and also, you know, that's why I ask, you know, what made you choose, uh, if there was any stories that you could share that made you choose a different career path, because I was, you know, like fashion to me is like so broad and, but sometimes people look at fashion or style in a one way and being, you know, from the modeling world too, is you have to be this certain way or this certain type to fit this certain mold. And so, um, I could see where that would maybe trigger things for me not to be good, you know, good with. And, and yeah. And so that's why I was curious if there was any stories yeah. that you had that made you want to choose your career path or was, or was there it was it something else? Really how this all kind of manifested, it has like a long backstory, but I always try to tell it as, you know, in the Clips Notes version. So uh, back in 2009, when our economy wasn't doing so great, um, I was working for still the company in New York and we got bought out by our competitor out here in LA. So they bought us out and they said, 
hey, we want to offer you this creative director position, but you have to move to LA to do it. And I was such a New York girl. I was like, no, I don't want to leave. But none of my other friends were getting jobs. Um, And so they asked me to come out to LA. And um, I came out here with the thought of I'll be here a year and I'll keep looking for jobs in New York and then I'm going to move back. And then the sunshine stole me and I ended up staying out here in LA. Um, but throughout that transition, I've always been, um, not your typical, like size two, four, six that everyone thinks when you work in fashion, you have to be, I always struggled with my weight growing up. And it was a big part of what shaped my personality to be a little bit more outgoing. Cause I'm like, if I'm more outgoing, then people won't pick on me for my weight. If I'm friendly, they'll be nice to me. So that really kind of shaped a lot about who I was and also allowed me just to take chances. Um, so that was kind of like, okay, I'll take this chance. But when I moved out to LA, I was about 220 pounds and I'm only five, four. So I was, you know, overweight and I wasn't feeling good because LA had this way of just making me feel different than I did in New York. And in New York, I was the same weight. Like I was 220 pounds, but for some reason I felt totally fine out there. And out here, something changed in me and I started to feel self-conscious. And, um, I also knew that I wanted to be healthy. And at that point, it wasn't just about, um, body image and body, um, you know, feeling positive about it. It was just that I wasn't healthy and I was like drinking a lot. I was going out late. Um, I was smoking cigarettes and it just wasn't my, um, you know, I just wasn't living the healthiest life. So I, um, came out here and then I started losing weight. Um, I hired a trainer and through that process is where the career shift really happened for me because, in the fashion industry, like you described, everyone sees it as really glamorous and fabulous. And, oh my God, you're going to Italy twice a year and you get to meet all these celebrities and your red carpet. Um, but I'm working. I'm not the, you know, I'm not the one on the red carpet. I'm working and it's grind and it's hard and it's hustle. And it's a lot of stress, um, and exhaustion. And, um, I just kind of started to decide I didn't want that for my life long-term. I didn't want to be at the mercy of a lot of my clients, um, you know, because it was like, they said they needed something tomorrow and I had to basically like kill myself to get it tomorrow. And these are very demanding high-end clients that don't think ahead of time. Like, right, we know we're having a trip. We planned way in advance, not my clients. They want it to be done the, the night before. So that started to really wear on me. And then as I became more fit and more into the fitness industry, I started realizing I really enjoyed it. And I liked the way it made me feel. I liked the power that I felt within me. Um, And I knew that if somebody like me who had never worked out a day in her life could do this, that I could help other people do it too. And that's how I started to transition into like the coaching space, but it was in the fitness space first as a coach before now in women's empowerment. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I love that. The fitness side, I was going to ask you about that too. Uh, I was like, oh, so, you know, what made you get into fitness? But you kind of shared that a little bit. And I love that too. And like I told you before, is I would love to go to New York and LA. So what would you say the difference was as far as fashion and people on each? Because, you know, they're both well-known for 
those things. Yes. Um, it's really in terms of, uh, New York, if you're, you know, if you're just generalizing both areas, it's like New York definitely has, um, more of the influence from Europe. So they have definitely a more fash, fast fashion trends. Um, and people are willing to, um, like when I was out there, I would wear the most crazy things. I would wear like ripped up stockings and tutus and wild colors. And I was just, um, very out there. And I looked just like everyone else on the street. Like no one would look at me twice. It was just people out there dress how they want to, and they put their expression and their clothes. Um, everyone thinks New Yorkers wear black. While that's kind of true, I feel like more people in LA wear black, honestly. Um, It's, um, I don't know, New York just has a way of expressing. I feel like it's artwork all over the street. People just look incredible and dress in a way that makes them feel good. Um, LA has got a lot more of a vibe that is denim and black and simple. (laughs) And, you know, we also dress for the weather out here too. It's, it's hot. I would say 300 out of 365 days a year. (laughs) So, you know, it's a lot of, um, shorts and skirts and tank tops, and it's just different, um, you know, long maxi dresses, that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely obviously dressing for climates, you don't get to wear as many of the fun scarves and hats and coats and, and things like that, but the, but the people are different too. Both in a way that is, can be uninviting sometimes, both in New York and LA. Um, but I think if you find your tribe and find your people that, um, no matter where you are, it always works out great. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with that too. Cause I've heard a lot of that as well, um, about the people and I, I guess being from the South or whatever, from Kentucky, I'm very, um, overly nice. And they're like, you don't have to be that way. You, you, know, you don't have to be that way. And I'm like, you don't? I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, okay. Totally. Uh, totally. Yeah. So, um, switching gears a little bit, I'm always rallying my perfect is lame crew and I would love, um, to share my not so darling moment ahead of yours because I had asked you a question. I ran it by you prior to, um, uh, asking you this, talking about, your relationship you're in now. Mm-hmm. And I ask you how it was different from your previous relationship. And so I, mm-hmm. I sounded really uneducated because I had called your partner a she. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Um, Cause you're <laughs> like, no, I'm not in a, in a same sex relationship. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, can you help me please? And so you're like, here, I'll direct you to her own podcast where she just had this discussion. And I was like, oh man, if I would have just listened to that, (laughs) I would have just been in a, in in a uh, better off right at this point and not feeling really silly. (laughs) So with that being said, you guys can check out more of her theme life podcast. And the episode that I'm referring to is episode 19 and it's of your season three. Um, yeah. you discuss this. So backing it up a little bit, cause I got ahead of myself. Um, let's talk about you being a divorced single mom and, yeah. and how the transition for you was and what you would say to someone who is going through the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I would say divorce is probably, um, 
one of the hardest things anyone can go through. And I don't care if it's two people mutually uncoupling and saying, you know what, this isn't right. Um, that's hard. And it's hard when two people hate each other. You know, it doesn't matter how agreeable the two sides are. Divorce is never easy. And then it's really hard when you have children involved. Right. Um, and so, yeah, the transition for me, because we went through a really, really ugly divorce, um, is it was, um, and still can be challenging because you have to always keep in mind that this person and you share a little human together. And I'm always cautious in the words that I use because I know that my words have power and they have meaning. And uh, one day she could hear them, feel them. And I always want to be respectful when it comes to that because kids see that as they are part of two parents. And if one of them is bad, then they must be bad, right? Because they have those traits. So I always am careful with my words. And I really just talk, try to focus on my experience of it because um, that's all I really can talk about, which is, you know, my experience because uh, he would have his own experience in that. Um, And for me, um, the decision was hard because we owned a business together, a quite successful fitness business together in a small town of Simi Valley, which is North of LA. So it doesn't have the big LA feel to it. It's a lot more suburban. Um, and because it's so small, we knew a majority of the town and everyone had this idea in their mind of, who we were. And we were this amazing power couple and this happy family. And they had labeled us with all of these things. And while sometimes those things were true, right? Because it's not always all bad and it wasn't always bad. um, There are parts of it that were, a lot of it was untrue. And I you know, grew up in San Antonio, Texas, also a Southern thing where it's like, you just do what's right. You suck it up and you be that thing that everyone says you are. And you've gone too far down the road now. Like you can't turn around. You have a kid now, you own this business with over 400 people counting on you. Like it's too late, girl. It's too late. (laughs) So, um, yeah, when I, you know, my biggest choice, my biggest, um, push was I read something one time was if your child were to come to you and describe that they were in a relationship that felt similar to yours and they used your words back at you and said, you know, I feel lonely. I feel um, not taken care of. I feel not appreciated. I feel um, not valued. I feel not heard. I feel not seen. Would you tell her to stay or to work it out? And when I read that, it hit me hard because I would always say, yes, give it a go. Have you given it a go? Like, did you give your all, do you, you know, have you, do you really feel like this is your best decision? And if she answered me, yes, I would say, okay, then yes, you need to go. You have to always follow what's right for you. And it's so easy for us to give our friends and our children that advice. But when it comes to us, it's a lot harder to make the leap. And um, yeah, so once I kind of read that and sat with my decision for a little bit, I knew that despite who might agree with me or who I might lose in the process, I knew that I was going to lose myself more if I didn't decide to do that. And it wasn't worth it to me to do that. 
because yeah. I had a responsibility to myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to applaud you first by not letting your experience in your relationship or your marriage cause you to put that on your daughter, you know, like your feelings um, and speaking so highly of someone who maybe you don't feel that way about um, right. because I am a, a child of divorce and it was not easy and I had to hear it from, you know, both sides. Yeah. 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 And it was, and it was bad. It was so bad. And when you reference like feeling bad, I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, you feel like something's wrong with you, although it's not you in it. It has nothing to do with you. I know now, I mean, at 40s, over 40 years old that my parents were better off apart but oh my goodness the 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 chaos of it all oh yeah uh, is lasting my forever i mean it's still you know to this day so i applaud you for that i i think Thank that's you. it's amazing definitely not easy <laughs> <laughs> no i know i know so i want to explain more about um my uneducated question to you uh, <laughs> to my listeners so after you directed me to your podcast episode, it basically explained the exact question. So it shed some light on it because I was aware of some terminology, but not clear. And that's why I wanted to ask you today how it differs from your past relationships, because can you just like maybe explain a little more to help me I'm, out here? <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy to. And yeah, so your listeners know your question was not uneducated. It's a very common question. And we live in a world where I live in a world over here that's pretty progressive and New York's pretty progressive, but everything in the middle is still trying to figure things out. And um, I, my partner is non-binary. So that's a new word uh, and a new, I shouldn't say new, it's been around you know, since Native American culture and prior to that, and it was called something different. But now it's more of a uh, accepted and understood term on what it means. And it's how people um, identify and not everyone identifies as being male or female, which is the binary. And so being non-binary can mean you either associate with both male and female or neither male and female. So my partner feels neither and um, is in the category of non-binary. So a lot of people assume that I'm in a same-sex relationship. And that was, you know, that's something I always like to clear up, not because to make people feel, um, you know, bad about asking that. I always clear it up because it's just out of respect for my partner, right? Because my partner is not she. So we wouldn't be in a same-sex relationship. But the way it differs, and, and a lot of people, this was a big thing um, when I came out about my relationship because um, going through a divorce and then being in a new relationship has its own challenges despite uh, now moving into the more like LGBT community, right? So regardless, being in that situation is hard because you've got, again, kids involved and bad feelings leaving and good feelings coming in and all of this stuff. So that's complicated. And then I added this other additional layer and I, I had never in my life, uh, been with anyone other than 
uh, men who identify as being men, you know, so always basically in a heterosexual straight relationship. Um, so when I came out about this to my family, it was quite a shock, same thing to my friends. Um, but then it also wasn't a shock because I've always been someone that really feels, um, wholeheartedly about following your intuition and doing, uh, what, makes you happy no matter what, uh, no matter the disappointment that may come, no matter the wrath, no matter the judgment, no matter what. Um, and after making such a strong decision to leave a previous relationship that was so hard to do because of all of that, I was like, if I can do that, I can do literally anything else. Cause that was hard. Um, and choosing love is not hard for me. Um, and that is really what I did. I was like, I really don't care how anyone feels about this because when I lay my head on my pillow at night next to my partner and I feel complete wholeness, um, and it's not wholeness for me being with somebody it's wholeness that I can be me and I can literally lay down and be me. And I don't have to pretend to be happy or sexy or, um, like everything is hundred percent perfect and put together or smart or whatever. I literally can be whatever I am in that moment and not have to think so hard about being somebody else. Mm. And, um, when you have that feeling of wholeness, I really don't care how it looks on the other side, how it manifests. And, um, yeah, my partner happens to be one of the most uh, incredible humans who I believe has so much courage to show up this way in a world that it is so new for a lot of people. And I know that, you know, as these generations come up, you know, I know right now in fifth, sixth, seventh grade pronouns are being asked in school, which is a big thing. It's the first time ever in history. And a lot of adults and people have very mixed feelings about that. And I think that it's change is scary for anyone. And, um, I think there's a lot, I like to talk about it because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what's happening in school systems and why it's being taught. And it's not to, uh, make children second guess their gender. It's to make people feel inclusive because there are people who don't feel that way and they don't since a young age, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And, and like I said to you is that I'm familiar with, with this and I'm fine with it. I just like, I've never met someone like the, the, um, the friends that I have that are gay are, uh, they, they are either like they, they're a male or a female either female. way, but, yes. but yeah, they just, they still say in their same, like not, they're not non-binary. They're either a Correct. female who yeah. likes female or a male who likes males. So, you know, I just never, you know, I, I've heard the term, but I just never yes. knew and so I was like, oh, yeah, now I see, you know, now I get it, you know? So yeah, um, I love that. No, I, I really do. I, I thought it was great. And then, like I said, directing them to your podcast episode is so beneficial because you get to hear Thank it you. from, you know, both, both of both. us. Yeah. So I love that. It was like, oh, it was like, 
the light at the light end bulbs. of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah, I was like, hang <laughs> on, I see it, I see it now. So thank you, because I, I'm a huge fan of Survivor, the show. I don't know if you watch if you watch the show. Oh, yeah, I used to love it. Yeah, yeah. And so like he this year he was like, uh, I always say, come on in, guys, and I use that term a lot. Like, hey guys. You know, because yes. I was assuming that like guys was just like female and male. So, hey, you right. know, you're getting it, you know. And so I would say that to to everyone. And so he asked the cast, he was like, how does everyone feel about me saying, you know, come on in, guys. And, you know, no one really said anything at first. And then when they came back, he was like, you know, does everybody still feel OK with me using that? And someone spoke up and said, no, you know. We wouldn't, we just feel like it's not in, like inclusive, I inclusive. guess. Or, yeah, yeah, inclusive. There we go. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see. So now he doesn't say that. So, so how, like, I know on your podcast, you, you, you kind of gave, uh, I guess, like a, a way to ask, but what would be the ideal way to say to someone? Because when you see someone, you may assume, like that's Correct. a male or a female. And so when you call them by that, yes. they may, it may be offensive to them, although you're not trying to be, you know, Correct. maybe in yeah. some aspects. Um, so what would I, you say? Yeah, I think a lot of, um, a lot of people who identify as non-binary, um, who are non-binary would say their pronouns, um, just, you know, ahead of time. However, um, you could always ask somebody like, what are your preferred pronouns or what are your pronouns? Um, sometimes the word preferred or, um, like identify as can also, for some people, they don't like that just because it's like, I don't identify as a woman. I am a woman. Right. So it's like, they don't identify as non-binary. They are non-binary or it's like, I don't identify as she, her, they are, they, them. So it's also just the way, like, instead of just saying, what are your, what pronouns do you prefer? It's, you would just say, what are your pronouns, you know, um, and, or what pronouns do you use or, you know, things like that. So I have now seen that on more and more, uh, doctor's forms, which I think is really interesting sometimes on like, um, you know, questionnaires, like podcast questionnaires. Um, I, you know, I've seen that as well. I think it's really fascinating and it always, um, it feels good to me knowing that I have a non-binary partner when I'm feeling, filling things out. Um, and they give that as an option. And I know like now you can, um, driver's license can be gender X. It's not M or F. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a very, uh, new thing that a lot of, there's just a lot of mixed feelings across the board, but in my, the way I like to live life is, if someone's living their life and, um, being kind and going out into the world and, uh, stepping forward in love and also acceptance and courage, how can you not get behind that? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not, um, this message of hate or separation. It's just togetherness. And I think that there's a lot of work that still has to be done, but it's, I like conversations like this because somebody who listens to your podcast is probably going to be new for them too. So it's just a moment of education and it makes people think twice, you know, um, when we go out to eat and we have a server that says, Hey ladies, um, it's a trigger. People don't, you know, my partner hates that instead of just saying, Hey friends or Hey folks, or, 
hey y'all, how's it going? I mean, I say yeah. y'all. So I'm like, y'all's everything. <laughs> hey, yeah. Y'all's a catch-all, you know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just, um, it really is about knowing and having, just giving an effort and trying. And that goes a long way with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that was like the one thing that bothered me the most. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she doesn't think I'm just like this Southern redneck that doesn't know anything <laughs> about at all. Any things. And I'm totally not that person. <laughs> so I was like, not oh, at gosh. all, you know? So it just was like a, oh, it was so bad. So, but it wasn't really that bad. It was just like a moment I was like, oh man, you know, like that just didn't sound good. Totally did not come <laughs> off that way at all. Okay, good. <laughs> we good. always put more judgment on ourselves than what's going on in the other way. I'm totally way too critical on myself. So, <laughs> um, so let's talk about your beam life and, um, and your hive and your mission. You have a podcast, you're all the things. So tell yeah. us about, about that. So I started the beam life, which stands for be everything and more. And of course, beam of light. Um, but I started that when I was going through my divorce and it was something I wanted to start, uh, while I was married. And that was kind of like a thing. It was sort of an argument. Um, and it was always something I had in my brain, but I really got to bring it to life, um, through my divorce. And it was one of the things that basically saved me. It was my escape. And, um, the reason I wanted to put this community together, cause it's a community. It's also a place for women to connect. It's a place that I coach. Um, and it's a place where you can just show up unapologetically a hundred percent who you are and, um, and, and any stage of life, right. It's women from, I would say late twenties, all the way up until mid fifties, even 60 years old that have different, uh, phases of life hitting them, whether it's, um, going off and kind of starting your career for the first time, whether it's being married and in a great or not great relationship, starting to date again, um, looking to start their own business. They're now empty nesters and they want to start their own journey all over again. They're divorced, whatever, right? It's kind of wherever you're at in your journey, but the commonality in the community is that you want something more for your life. And that's the be everything and more. And it's not having more success. It's not having more followers on Instagram. It's not having more money. Um, it is about having more of the quality of life that makes you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm really um, passionate about helping women tap into because most people that I, most of the women I work with and most of the people in our community feel, come in feeling like it's too late, like they missed the boat, um, uh, for whatever reason. Right. And it's never too late, first of all. And you can, you can't continue to serve and help all these people you say you want to help when you're empty. So I help women fill their cup back up basically, uh, because at, at a point they've been left empty, broken, feeling like, um, you know, I'm just giving myself to my kids or my relationship or my career all the time. And there's no time left for me to work on my health or to work on my new business or to work on 
you know, my personal growth and new habits and whatever it is. And we fall apart and we really do. We fall apart. And we've also in the past, I think things are changing, but there's still a lot of this where women compete with each other. And they think if you're doing like, for example, we're both podcasters, right? So it could be like, well, if Tanya's podcast is doing great, that must mean that mine is really bad. And it's like, no, by two female podcasters getting together, it creates more of a light and a space for other female podcasters. And the better everyone's doing, the more our ships all rise together. Yes. You know? I'm with you on that. I am so with you on that. I love your mission. It's similar to what my mission is. That's the whole reason why I started my podcast was like, you know, I want to share those not so darling moments. Let's talk about how we got to where we are. That's why I ask you these questions, you know, to get down to who you are and to why you're in this this business that you're in. And it wasn't all butterflies and daisies. I say that all the time. It was never. No, it was through mud and dirt, you know, it was, it wasn't always nice, but, um, that, yeah. So, and it's never too late. And I love, I love that. And, and I'm just here for all that, like just meeting everyone, like, you know, all the, the guests that I've had on meeting you, you truly are like a beam of light, you know? So thank you. Like I said, she's totally glowing. You should see her photos. (laughs) (laughs) No, I truly, um, a lot of this has been a joy. Like I really, for the first time feel like I'm living life on my terms and it wasn't, um, you know, sometimes we're given a script and we feel like we have to follow it. And I read this amazing quote the other day, we're doing a book club and it was in this book I'm reading called a revolutionary woman by a local author. And it was like, could you imagine if JLo had wanted to please her parents and became like a lawyer or banker and just followed that path? And it's like, no, of course not. Because she was always meant to be JLo and she was meant to be fabulous, you know? And, um, no, you couldn't imagine that because JLo wouldn't do that. And so it's the same thing. Like, for those who want to be bankers and lawyers and are so happy about it, go for it, do it. But also don't feel like you have to live your life on someone else's uh, fantasy because they had their chance to do it too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you're settling or you get stuck in this mold. Like for me as a mom, um, you know, I stayed at home and I was a wife and I just put everyone else's needs prior to mine or before mine. And now I'm like, you know, all these dreams and hopes, like we talked about being in the fashion industry and doing this and doing that. It's like, no, like I'm 44, going to be 44 in two days. I am going to yes. do the things. I'm going to stop dragging my damn do them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's literally just about taking a chance on yourself and knowing it's going to be scary and knowing it's going to be messy, but you've definitely done harder things. Right. So, oh, yeah. um, so yeah, that's, it's, you know, I've always said we've survived our hardest days. So, and we're still standing. Yeah. Can't be that bad. No, no. Well, um, okay. I've come to the end to where I ask all my guests the same questions. So name something in your life you've done that wasn't so darling. Well, we talked about it a lot, but I would say my divorce was probably the most not so darling moment, unless you count all of my rebellious teenage years, which definitely were not darling. Um, but really in my, in my adult life, that was probably, 
um, a necessary thing that had to happen. But, you know, that saying, it's like, I wish I knew now what I knew. I wish I knew then what I know now. And had I had this much respect for myself, this much understanding, this much joy, this much appreciation, I would have been able to not go down that whole road. However, without that, I wouldn't have my daughter who's the greatest blessing of all. Um, And so there's that. But yeah, I would say if I could have changed anything, it would have been not feeling pressured to be in my late 20s and get married and then, you know, leave my career at the time and start something, this other business. And, you know, I just would have followed my soul a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate. Um, um, and who do you find to be so darling? I would say that's all the women in my beam life community who are taking the chance on themselves to do something different, to support one another, to step outside of the box and really, really just live life so wholeheartedly, so fully, and so excited because it's addicting when you are around someone that truly loves life, like a lover of life and a lover of supporting other people and their, and their love of life. It's, it's amazing and it's contagious and it's addicting to be around. And those women motivate me and uplift me every day to do what I'm doing. And I feel so grateful for that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is amazing. Um, it's when you were saying that just watching you or any other guests who who have come on, who share, um, the same passion and they're really being fulfilled now in their life. It is, it is one of the most amazing things to witness and to see and to hear as they're talking, you know, from wherever they are and you can just see it in their face and, and, and you can just feel it, you know, and I love it. I love it. So thank you. Um, so how can my listeners find you? So I'm on Instagram a lot at the beam life. And then also my podcast is the beam life. And that's anywhere you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, Apple, um, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure speaking with you and um, I hope my listeners check you out. I do too. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been fabulous. No, thank you so much for sharing. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and it will be so darling if you rate and review the Not So Darlin' podcast and then head over to notsodarlin.com and sign up so you don't miss out on some of Tanya's favorite things related to style, fitness, and health, both physical and mental, along with specials to be had, giveaways in which to participate, and the opportunity to be one of the Not So Darlin' podcast guests. And don't forget to follow Tanya on Instagram at notsodarlintanya. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.